السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري واحلل عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم اهدي قلبي وسدد لساني واسرل سخينة قلبي باب نمبر 4 which is باب سجدة النجم can you open that up please باب سجدة النجم the prostration for سورة النجم So here we read the hadith in the sanad in the narration we have haddathana Hafs ibn Umar qala haddathana Shu'batu an Abi Ishaq an al-Aswadi an Abdullah radiyallahu anhu So I mentioned to you earlier that every now and then I will tell you a little bit about the life of Imam Bukhari or a little bit about the narrators of hadith So today inshallah I'm going to tell you a little bit about al-Aswad okay You see over here, Anil Aswadi. So if you look at the chain of narrators, we have Haddathana Hafs ibn Umar. Hafs ibn Umar is who? The teacher of Imam Bukhari. Because Imam Bukhari is writing in his book, Haddathana Hafs ibn Umar. Meaning Hafs ibn Umar, he narrated this hadith to us. Alright? So he took the hadith from who? Qala Haddathana Shu'batu. His teacher was Shu'ba. And Shu'ba an Abi Ishaq, he took the hadith from Abu Ishaq. And he took the hadith from who? An Al-Aswad. From Al-Aswad. And he took the hadith from Abdullah. Abdullah meaning the companion, radiyallahu anhu, the companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So what is the first thing that we learn about Al-Aswad? Who is he? I'm asking you from the chain of narration. What do we learn? Like which generation does he belong to? If he's taking the hadith from a companion, then which generation does he belong to? The generation of the tabi'oon. Alright, so make sure you are familiar with this term, tabi'oon. Alright, tabi'oon literally means followers, those who followed. So this is the, the generation that followed immediately after the generation of the sahaba. Alright, So Sahaba are who? Those who lived in the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, who believed in him, right? In the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, who saw him. These are the Sahaba. Tabi'un are who? Those who met the Sahaba. Okay. So Al Aswad is taking the hadith from Abdullah radiyallahu anhu. Now Al Aswad, his name is Al Aswad ibn Yazid. Right? Al-Aswad ibn Yazid And he was the student of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu His kunya is Abu Amr Kunya, Abu Amr Kunya is a title or Many people when you hear about their names You find out that they are Abu so and so Or Um so and so Right? So this is the kunya The mother of so and so Or the father of so and so So Abu Amr al-Nakhari al-Kufi Okay, Abu Amr al-Nakhari al-Kufi. Kufi means he was from, if Bukhari means he was from Bukhara, Kufi means he was from Kufa. Where is Kufa? Somewhere in the world. Where? Kufa is in Iraq. Right? It's in Iraq. Okay. Now, I asked you a question about Al-Aswad, that what's one of the first things we learn about him, and somebody said that he was... Black, hmm? because Al-Aswad literally means 
the one who is black. And this may seem very strange to us that why would a person be called Aswad? You know, I mean, you don't give a name to a brown person brown. You know, the, yes, there are Mr. Browns out there, but that doesn't necessarily mean that their skin is brown, right? Or they are of a certain ethnicity, okay? When we will read the chains of narration, we will come across names that we will find very strange. Okay? Why? Because names are part of what? Culture. Isn't it? They're part of a culture. And we know that cultures vary a lot. Cultural norms, cultural values, they vary, they differ a lot. Now if you think about it, the Arabs... At the time of the Prophet ﷺ, people had names which if we translate, we would find, you know, amazing, surprising. For example, Abu Bakr. What does Bakr mean? A young camel. Now, Bakr, it is said that Abu Bakr who one of the reasons why he was called Abu Bakr was because his first wife was Um Bakr. Alright, and Um Bakr, she was called Um Bakr because she had a son from a previous marriage whose name was Bakr. Alright? So basically there was a man whose name was Bakr. Bakr means a young camel. Now, we don't give such names, camel, goat. We don't do that, right? But the Arabs did. We have, for example, an entire clan which is known as the Banu Kalb or Banu Kilab. And Kilab, it's Kilab, not Qaf. It's not Qalb. It's Kalb. And Kalb means dog. Now, in certain cultures, this would be like a swear word, Right? You call somebody a dog, it's very insulting. But they were given this name perhaps because uh, they, they were well known for their hunting trips in which they would take their dogs with them. So because of that, they just got that title. Uthman. What does Uthman mean? Snake. Imagine giving somebody a name, snake in our culture. Afan. Afan means burnt. Yes. So, you know, we will come across these names which we might find offensive or derogatory, but in their culture, this was not out of racism or out of, you know, insulting other people or uh, calling them, you know, bad names because of which they were given these names. Okay? This was just culturally acceptable. In our religion, however, we have been given certain guidelines that do not give offensive names to each other. وَلَا تَنَابَزُوا بِالْأَلْقَابِ In Surah Al-Hujurat we learned that do not call each other with offensive nicknames. And also we see that if there was ever a name which clearly contradicted Islamic beliefs, right, then what happened? The Prophet ﷺ changed those names. But there were many other names which he left as is. Abu Bakr is called Abu Bakr. Right? Even though that was not his actual name, but he was called Abu Bakr. He didn't say, no, no that's insulting. You don't call a human being a camel. No, because it's understood. You're not calling him a camel. That's just a, that's just a name. And you know there are many names which we're so familiar with. But if you actually look at the meaning of those names, you know it's like please don't ask me the meaning of this name, right? It's honestly it's amazing that how could people come up with these names? It's kind of shocking, embarrassing. So, but this is culturally normal, culturally acceptable. So, this is the reason why his name is Al-Aswad. Anyway, Al-Aswad, he's a tabiri and he was a convert to Islam. And he converted to Islam at a very senior age, in fact. He wasn't very young when he accepted Islam. And so we see that he was quite old in his age, accepted Islam, and then after that learned from the Sahaba also. 
And he narrated hadith also Even though he was advanced in age And he took hadith from several companions He took hadith from Mu'adh bin Jabal radiallahu anhu He has also narrated hadith from Bilal radiallahu anhu Even Aisha radiallahu anha Hudayfa bin Yaman Abdullah ibn Mas'ud Several companions And remember that these companions they, All of them didn't live in one city They didn't live in one city They lived all over the Muslim empire So we can see from this The fact that he traveled extensively And when he traveled extensively He spent time with the companions And he spent that time in you know Learning something from the companions And not just sitting with them And watching them and observing them Oh these were people who lived in the time of the Prophet They learned directly from the Prophet ﷺ. He sat with them And he benefited from their knowledge Al-Aswad bin Yazid He was also a devout worshipper He is described as كَانَ صَوَّامًا قَوَّامًا حَجَّاجًا That he was sawam. What does sawam mean? One who used to keep fasts? How much? A lot. Sawam, fa'al. Qawwam. What does qawwam mean? Besides the qawwam that we know of. Qawwam, meaning one who does a lot of qiyam. Standing in prayer. Hajjaj. Hajjajan. What does that mean? One who performed a lot of hajj. It is said that كَانَ الْأَسْوَدُ يَخْتِمُ الْقُرْآنَ فِي رَمَضَانَ فِي كُلِّ لَيْلَتَيْنِ Every two nights in the month of Ramadan he would complete a recitation of the Qur'an. So in one night he would recite how much Qur'an? Half. Fifteen Jews in one night. Imagine. This is how long his qiyam would be. And he would sleep between Maghrib and Isha. This was his routine. After Maghrib he would sleep. At Isha he would wake up, perform Isha. And then he would perform his night prayer. And it is said that, وَكَانَ يَخْتِمُ الْقُرْآنَ فِي غَيْرِ رَمَضَانَ فِي كُلِّ سِتِّ لَيَالٍ Sitta. How much is sitta? Huh? Six. So every six days, what would he do? Complete a recitation of the Qur'an Outside of Ramadan So in Ramadan every two nights He would complete a recitation of the Qur'an Outside of Ramadan every six days Every six days He would complete the recitation of the entire Qur'an This is Al-Aswad ibn Yazid Abu Amr Al-Nakha'i Al-Kufi Anything you'd like to share? Any reflection? Before I continue, what did you learn from his life or from his habits? Yes? That even though he was advanced in age when he accepted Islam, he didn't rely on just other people to tell him what he should do. He went and learned, you know, firsthand as to what he was supposed to do. And then when he acquired that knowledge, he also passed it on. Yes? Yes. Yes. That look at his age, right? And then the fact that he is clearly, a, you know, a student of knowledge that he's learning from the Sahaba, and then he's also teaching. But in addition to all of that, ibadah is not being compromised, especially his recitation of the Quran. 
That is a major part of his life. It's never too late to change your life around, to turn your life around, never too late to start learning, never too late to start reciting. Good. Bismillah, assalamu alaikum. I was thinking, mashallah, he take from many teachers, mashallah. And then does it take a long time to learn from many teachers? And then in terms of that, every six days, he finished Quran. And Ramadan every two days. That's the way it's so easy you can memorize Quran. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you read like, like this Quran, Allah will protect you, inshallah. This also shows the importance of the list of narrators of these hadiths because it's we can see how amazing Imam Bukhari was, but the list of narrators were also people with their own amazing lives, mashallah. Yes, very true. Each and every person here is a gem. So there are narrations from which we learn that we should complete the recitation of the Quran in minimum three days, right? You see, this was not his regular habit that throughout the year he's completing it every two days. No, this is in the month of Ramadan, right? And in the month of Ramadan, it's the month of Qur'an, it's the month of Qiyam, and if a person has that capacity and that strength, then limited to that time of the year, no harm. Even Imam al-Shafi'i used to do that 60 times in the month of Ramadan. And what kind of a goal do we set for ourselves for Ramadan? If I get to complete the recitation of the Qur'an once, that would be amazing. Yes. People uh, say like, why in this masjid in Ramadan doing so much qiyam? This is not from the sunnah. You know what I mean? Like I, I understand like everybody should do according to the sunnah, but I think like worship is not limited. Like how much you can do. Yeah. I mean, whatever each person, your capacity is. Yes. Each person should see what their capacity is. How much they can do. Right. And don't just rely on what is being done in the masjid. And see what your capacity is, how much strength you have. And, you know, once you start enjoying the recitation of the Qur'an, then you really don't want to stop it. So it's understandable that he would complete it every two days. Anyway, let's continue. Let's begin with hadith, bab number five. Bab sujudil muslimina ma'al mushrikeen. Bab Chapter, Sujood al-Muslimin, the prostration of the Muslims, meaning the Muslims performing prostration. And of course, this is the Sajda Tilawa, the prostration of recitation. Ma'al Mushrikeen, along with the polytheists, with those who worship idols. Meaning, the Muslims are prostrating, and at the same time, who is prostrating with them? Idolaters. They are prostrating. Wal Mushriku, while the Mushrik is Najas, is impure, لَيْسَ لَهُ وُضُوءٌ and he does not have wudu. This is the chapter, the book about the prostration of recitation. And we learned earlier that wudu is not a requirement, purity is not a requirement, is not a condition for this kind of prostration. So over here Imam Bukhari is making a point that look, at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, when he recited Surah Al-Najm, and he prostrated, and after him the Muslims also prostrated, along with the Muslims, who else prostrated? The polytheists, the mushrikeen prostrated. Now at that time, the mushrikeen were not told, oh, you don't have to do that. You're not, this is invalid because you do shirk and you are like this. You need to go and do uh, shahada first and then wudu and then you perform sajda. No. Because remember, the prostration of recitation is what? It's an expression of instant submission. It's like a reflex. 
You know what I mean? So when you're overcome by emotion, then what happens? Immediately your body, it follows along. Right? For example, if you're hurt, if you're sad, what happens? You start crying and sometimes your tears come in places or in situations where you don't want them to come. But they fall uncontrollably. Does it happen? You can't control them. Likewise, sometimes you just feel like laughing because you remembered something random. You're sitting in a class and all of a sudden you're thinking about that joke that you heard and you just start laughing and your teacher is getting upset and the people sitting next to you are getting upset. What's wrong with you? You know, the emotional responses are beyond our control. Aren't they? So when it comes to the prostration or recitation, this is also an instant reaction. Okay? That you hear something so powerful in the Qur'an that you cannot help but fall in prostration. Now at that time if you say, okay, let me put the mushaf away, and let me go do wudu, and then let me put my hijab on, and then put the prayer rug, and then face the qibla, and then say Allahu Akbar, and then go into prostration, then you're like, why am I prostrating? I'm not praying. What's going on? That spirit is gone. Right? So here, it's further being proven that for sajda tilawa, wudu is not a requirement. And then Imam Bukhari gives an evidence, which is, وَكَانَ بْنِ عُمَرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ that Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, he, yes, judu, he would make the sajda ala ghayri wudu'in, without wudu. So now we have proof from the action of the companions. Ibn Umar used to do the sajda without wudu. And then Imam Bukhari mentions the hadith. حَدَّثَنَا مُسَدَّدٌ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا عَبْدُ الْوَارِثِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا أَيُّوبُ عَنْ عِكْرِمَةَ عَنْ إِبْنِ عَبَّاسٍ رضي الله عنهما أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم سجد بالنجم وسجد معه المسلمون والمشركون والجن والإنس ورواه ابن طهمان عن أيوب Over here Imam Bukhari is reporting that Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنه reported that the Prophet ﷺ prostrated at the recitation of Surah Al-Najm. And with him, the Muslims also prostrated, and the mushriks also prostrated, meaning those who worshipped idols. The jinn also prostrated, and all the human beings that were there prostrated. In other words, everybody prostrated. And we don't find out from any of the reports that one of the Muslims got up to go and perform wudu. Or one of the Muslims did not perform the sajda over there because he said he did not have wudu. Everybody prostrated, which means that wudu is not a requirement for this prostration. Right? And we also see over here that those who are listening to the recitation, prostrated. Right? Now, do you see anything, do you notice anything else in this hadith? Anything else? Yes? Okay, the jinn prostrated. Alright. Anything else? Yes? Okay, good. Everybody did not recite. Only the Prophet ﷺ recited. But who prostrated? Everybody. Okay. Let me tell you. What she said is right, but let me tell you. Do you see over here that there are Muslims and non-Muslims sitting together? Yeah? And what's going on? The Prophet ﷺ is reciting. He prostrates. The Muslims prostrate. And then the non-Muslims also.
prostrate. Right? So sometimes there are interfaith events where there are people of various religions that are present. Right? And maybe at the end of the event, there is a prayer. Prayer in the sense that there is a supplication made to God. God as in the Creator, one God. Right? So if there is, let's say, an imam over there, and he participates in the prayer in the sense that he leads everybody in prayer, he says a few words of prayer, what would you say there? Haram. Yeah? Would that be wrong? If there is no polytheistic statement, if there is no shirk, Jesus is not being called upon, right? Nor is some other false god being called upon. They're just making a prayer to God. God, and there is a Muslim representing the Muslim community over there, and they're part of that prayer, and they say part of the prayer, and the prayer itself is correct. Is there anything wrong with that? Is there? No. This is something that brings communities together. And what do we see over here? The Prophet ﷺ did not say to the mushrikun, your sajda is invalid because you know what? You don't say the shahada, you worship idols. First you believe in me, first you believe in Allah alone, first you deny all your idols, then yes, we will accept you. No, nothing like that. Nothing like that. So if we have any events like that, let's say at a university campus, let's say at a workplace, right, where people of different faiths are coming together, and there is a prayer that is made by a Muslim, in which there is pure tawheed, God Almighty, Allah alone is being called upon. Can you say Amin over there? Or will you feel awkward? Well, there's non-Muslims here. Will you feel awkward there? Always look at the content. Okay? Always look at the content. Anyway, let's continue. Bab man qara'a sajdata walam yasjud. Bab chapter man qara'a sajdata. The one who recited an ayah of prostration. Walam yasjud, but he did not prostrate. Now again Imam Bukhari is making clear over here that the prostration of recitation is not mandatory. Okay? Meaning, if a person recites a verse of prostration and he does not prostrate, for whatever reason, he does not prostrate, is that something wrong? No. It's not wrong at all. What's the proof of that? حدثنا سليمان بن داود أبو الربيع قال حدثنا إسماعيل بن جافر قال أخبرنا يزيد بن حصيفة عن ابن قسيف عن عطاء بن يسار أنه أخبره أنه سأل زيد بن ثابت عطاء بن يسار reported that he asked زيد بن ثابت رضي الله عنه Who's زيد بن ثابت? Who is زيد بن ثابت? A companion of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Because you see as soon as you read Radiyallahu Anhu What does it mean? What does it mean? Sahabi So he asked him Fazama Annahu Qara'a So Zayd Radiyallahu Anhu reported That he Qara'a ala Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Wal Najmi That he recited to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Wal Najm Meaning Suratul Najm Falam Yasjud Fiha and he did not prostrate in it. And we know that the last verse of Surah Al-Najm is which one? Of prostration. So what's happening here? Zayd radiallahu anhu is reciting Surah Al-Najm. 
And Zayd radiallahu anhu is reciting to who? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What happened? Zayd radiallahu anhu did not prostrate. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also did not prostrate. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not say anything to Zayd. That why did you not prostrate? You must prostrate. So what does this hadith prove? What does this hadith prove? It is not mandatory to perform sajdatu tilawah. It is not mandatory to perform sajdatu tilawah. Alright? Another thing that is derived from this hadith is that perhaps the Prophet ﷺ did not prostrate over here because Zayd radiallahu anhu did not prostrate. Okay? Meaning, the listener will only prostrate if the reciter prostrates. Make note of this. The listener will only prostrate if the reciter prostrates. And the reciter has the option to prostrate or to not prostrate. But as a listener, you are only required to prostrate if the reciter is prostrating. Okay? حدثنا آدم بن أبي إياس قال حدثنا ابن أبي ذئب قال حدثنا يزيد Do you notice something here? قال حدثنا ابن أبي ذئب أبي ذئب Who has studied Surah Yusuf? وأكله الذئب What is الذئب? Wolf Abu الذئب is a name so قال حدثنا ابن أبي ذئب قال حدثنا يزيد بن عبد الله بن قسيط عن عطاء بن يسار عن زيد بن ثابت So Zayd bin Thabit رضي الله عنه reported that قال قرأت على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم والنجم فلم يسجد فيها He said I recited Surah Al-Najm to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and he did not prostrate in it So same point just a different report Next bad باب سجدتي إذا السماء شقت The sajda, the prostration of the surah إذا السماء شقت Meaning is there a verse in the surah in which we are required to prostrate? حدثنا مسلم ومعاذ بن فضالة قال أخبرنا هشام عن يحيى عن أبي سلمة قال رأيت أبا هريرة رضي الله عنه So Abu Salama is saying that رأيت أبا هريرة Ra'aytu. What does that mean? I saw. He's saying, I saw Abu Huraira that qara'a, that he recited, إِذَا السَّمَاءٌ شَقَّتْ He recited the surah, إِذَا السَّمَاءٌ شَقَّتْ فَسَّجَدَ بِهَا And during the recitation, he prostrated. فَقُلْتُ So I said to him, يَا أَبَا هُرَيْرَ O Abu Huraira, أَلَمْ أَرَكَ تَسْجُدْ Did I just... See you prostrate. Like what, what was happening? Why did you prostrate? What's going on? Qala Abu Huraira responded that Law Lam Aran Nabiya Sallallahu Alayhi Wasallam Yasjudu Lam Asjud. Had I not seen the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam prostrate, I would not have prostrated. Meaning the only reason why I am prostrating in this recitation is because I saw the Prophet ﷺ do that. So this surah, Surah Al-Inshiqaq, 
in verse number 21 of the surah وَإِذَا قُرِئَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْقُرْآنُ لَا يَسْجُدُونَ Upon that is the prostration of recitation. بَاب مَنْ سَجَدَ لِسُجُودِ الْقَارِئِ Chapter مَنْ سَجَدَ The one who prostrated. Why? لِسُجُودِ الْقَارِئِ Because of the prostration of the reciter. So this is who? Who is prostrating? The listener. So here... Imam Bukhari is making clear what the listener is supposed to do. Meaning if a person hears the recitation of a verse of sajda, what is he supposed to do? وَقَالَ ابْنِ مَسْعُودٍ And Ibn Mas'ud said, لِتَمِيمِ ibn حَذْلَمْ Ibn Mas'ud said to Tamim ibn Hadlam. And who was Tamim ibn Hadlam? وَهُوَ غُلَامٌ While he was a غُلَام Meaning a young boy. فَقَرَأَ عَلَيْهِ سَجْدَةً When he had recited to him a verse of prostration. So Tamim bin Hadlam is a little boy. Alright? And he is reciting to Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu a surah in which there is a verse of prostration. So what happened? فَقَالَ So Ibn Mas'ud said to him, أُسْجُدْ Prostrate. Ibn Mas'ud told Tamim, Prostrate. فَإِنَّكَ إِمَامُنَا فِيهَا Because you are our leader in this. Why? Because who was reciting? Who was reciting? Tamim was reciting. Alright? So Ibn Mas'ud did not prostrate until who prostrated? Tamim. And because Tamim is a young boy, maybe he didn't realize, he didn't remember, or he thought maybe that he didn't want to. But Ibn Mas'ud told him, you prostrate so that I can also prostrate. What does this prove? The listener will only prostrate if the reciter prostrates. If you understand this principle, it will make a lot of things easy. This means that if you are listening to the recitation of the Qur'an in the car, alright, let's say Surah Al-Inshiqaq, you hear it, or Surah Al-Najm, you hear it, are you supposed to do Sajda Tilawa in the car? No. Because you are listening. Alright? You're listening to a recording. And in the recording, you don't hear them say, Allahu Akbar and Allahu Akbar. Okay? And you will only prostrate if you are reciting yourself. Okay. حَدَّثَنَا مُسَدَّدٌ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا يَحْيَى عَنْ عُبَيْدِ اللَّهِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنِي نَافِعٌ عَنْ إِبْنِ عُمَرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا Ibn Umar anhu reported that Qala he said, Kana Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallama yakra'u alayna surata fiha sajdatu. He said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would recite to us a surah in which would be a prostration. Fayasjudu wa nasjudu. Highlight this or underline this. So he would prostrate and we would prostrate. حَتَّى مَا يَجِدُ أَحَدُنَا مَوْضِعَ جَبْهَتِهِ Until some of us could not find any place to put our forehead on. What do we see here? Firstly, that the Sahaba would prostrate only when the Prophet ﷺ would prostrate. So, فَيَسْجُدُ وَنَسْجُدُ He would prostrate and then we would prostrate. 
And then we also see over here that one of them would not find a place to put their forehead on. What does that mean? What does that mean? Everybody would be doing sajda. Now imagine, people are sitting in a halaqa for example, right, in a gathering around the Prophet ﷺ, they're sitting in a group, they're not sitting in perfect straight rows. So as he's reciting the Qur'an to them, what would they do? Prostrate right there. Now so many people, if all of them start prostrating right there, of course the place is going to become tight. So that is what would happen, that some people would not find any place to put their forehead on. So this shows us how the Sahaba took this matter seriously. Bab is the ham in nasi, the is the ham of people. What is is the ham? The kush of people, meaning so many people coming together in one place that the place becomes tight, congested. Ida al imam When the imam would recite an ayah of sajda, meaning when there is a crowd of people, right, and everybody is performing the sajda of tilawa. So then what are you supposed to do? Because in the previous hadith we saw that some people would not find any place for sajda. So then what should you do in a situation like that? Pardon? Exactly. So there are different opinions that the scholars have given. So some say that a person should do sajda, alright, even if he has to put his forehead on somebody's back or somebody's foot, he should go into sajda. Alright? But this is not the best thing to do because you should not make another human being a ground for yourself. Right? The proper way of doing sajda is what? That you put your forehead on the ground. And if that is not possible, what should you do? Remain where you are and simply gesture. And how would you gesture a sajda with your sitting position? How will you do that? Just like when you're sitting in the car and praying. How do you do sajda? You just lower your head. Right? So that is what you should do. Just lower your head. Some say that you should just wait. Wait for the people to finish their sajda so that you can do it. That is also possible. But sometimes it's not really an option. So in that situation you can just lower your head. Others have said that you should just leave the sajda. Not do it. If you can't find any place, don't do it. But this is not the best course of action. Why? Why should you not leave it? Why should you not leave it? Think about it. Do we learn in any of these narrations that the Sahaba said, so we did not do it? Do we? No. When everybody around you is prostrating, everybody, then you should not stay back. Right? You should join the congregation. You should join the company of people. Now, this teaches us another important lesson. Right? Which is that if, for example, we are at a masjid, it's time to pray and everybody's praying and we are in the masjid, should we leave the prayer at that time and say that, no, maybe later? Should we? No, when everybody's praying, then we should join the congregation. Another important thing, if everybody is performing sajda, where they're sitting, are they all facing the qibla? Not necessarily. Because in this huge crowd, it's understood. Some people will be facing one direction, other people will be facing another direction. So this hadith also proves to us that it is not mandatory to face the qibla when performing which sajda? 
سجدہ آف تلاوہ حدثنا بشر بن آدم قال حدثنا علی بن مسحر قال اخبرنا عبید اللہ عن نافع عن ابن عمر قال كان نبی صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم یقرأ السجدت He said the Prophet صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم would recite a sajda meaning a surah of sajda a verse of sajda ونحن عنده while we would be with him فَيَسْجُدُ وَنَسْجُدُ So he would prostrate and we would prostrate ma'ahu with him. All of us would prostrate. فَنَزْدَحِمُ حَتَّى مَا يَجِدُ أَحَدُنَا لِجَبْهَتِهِ مَوْضِعًا يَسْجُدُ عَلَيْهِ So it would become so tight, so crowded, that one of us would not find an empty place to put his forehead on. Jabha, what is Jabha? Forehead. It would become so crowded. So people prostrated wherever they were. Some placed their head on the ground and others would just bend. But nobody would stay behind. <laughs>